VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is Emily, Henley, and Sammy, and you're listening to Too Scary Didn't Watch. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Too Scary Didn't Watch, the horror movie recap podcast for those too scared to watch for themselves. I'm Emily, and I am too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Sammy, and I love watching scary movies, and so I watch them so that you don't have to... We are missing our Henley again. My heart is breaking. My heart is broken. Broken. Shattered. (laughs) Shattered. A million little pieces. On the ground. But the show must go on. It absolutely must. They say it for a reason. And we have a new release to freaking talk about today. Oh my God. It's we got to freaking get into it. But before we do, (sighs) did anything scary happen to us this week? I told Joel this morning (laughs) that I have had... The biggest loser week of my life. <laughs> this week has totally sucked. And not, I mean, whatever. It's fine. I'm fine. Um, it's uh, okay, guys. <laughs> I am days away from being done with this quarter of school. Uh, my second to last. It has been an absolute nightmare. It has You've been, been so much work. So hard. I've been working so fucking hard. What the hell? School sucks. School Am I sucks. Right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I've just been working so hard and like I've been so I've been stressing out way too much because I like can't separate working hard from stressing out, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm not able to not do that. And my God, there's a reason why people don't go to college in their 30s. I've been like sick. I've been it's been <laughs> terrible. Your body can't take it. My body can't fucking take it. It really I feel, like I'm like, what? what is my body doing that it can't it can't it can't fucking do it and like my heartburn has been back i just just fucking everything and this week i got guys sorry gross um <laughs> i i got a sty and that happens you know it hasn't happened to me in a long time but you know we get it it hurts you put a little compress on it and you're like there you go it's fine it'll be fine in a few days <laughs> Not no, this one. Not this one. Not when your whole body is like, sorry, I can't. I cannot function. I can't do. I would <laughs> fight an infection. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. And it got the size of Jupiter. So painful. <laughs> I like. It has been. I'm on two different antibiotics, which I didn't even know they would. They could fucking do for that. Yeah, that's wild. It has been. One of the antibiotics is like a uh, like solution I have to put in my eye that blurs my vision for 20 minutes in that eye. It's like really Whoa. crazy. There's it's I it's fuck. I am so fucked up and I'm losing my mind. Um, it just has sucked. And I told you the other day, I was like, I haven't been drunk in so long. It's mm-hmm. so sad. <laughs> I just haven't been able to be drunk and that's so sad for me and (laughs) i so my fucking eye is all swollen um and then yesterday we went to go see this week's movie and it was rainy and so i didn't even tell you i fell all the way over 
I slipped and fell all the way oh. over. Oh, Hurt my no. thumb. <laughs> but it does remind me that one of the like favorite questions in Joel's friend group because of our friend Ben is to ask people when was the last time they fell all the way over <laughs> and like all like all the way on the ground like when was the last time you fell all the way over yeah, the and now I, reset. I, you know, I have the clock I have reset my answer, for the you. clock reset for me yesterday I fell all the way over and um just really <laughs> feeling like I uh, you know someday someday you ever get I get this way when anything is wrong with my um, body where I like forget what it's like to have a body that functions normally. You sent us a picture the other day where your eye makeup looked amazing and you looked so hot. And I was like, remember wearing eye makeup? I like got so sad. I was like, I couldn't. Like, I just get to the point where I'm like, well, I'll just never be normal again. Yes, and this and is it for me now. Actually, there's a book and now I can't remember what the book is is called actually this might be the name of the book or maybe it's just a, a sentence in the book where it says be grateful for the non cut in your mouth and so I think Ooh. about that a lot sometimes so when I don't have true. cuts in my mouth I'll be like wow this is awesome not a single cut in my <laughs> mouth today oh my god I'm gonna hold on to that so hard I think about it a lot because it is something you really god. take for granted because when there's a fucking cut in your mouth it's all you, it's all I can think it's, about it's a nightmare and you forget when you don't have them that what a blessing that is. <laughs> Truly. The, and this, the sty is really getting me because it's like, it's the really great combo of feeling like shit and looking like shit. And it's a real, it's, it's a true. real one-two punch are, for are me. hidden from the world. It, it's been, it's been a real journey for me this week. Um, a real like, it's not, you know, it's not that big of a deal, but it's for me, it's like really... I struggle and um, and it's, you know, been a real, uh, you know, a fun time for my partnership to just be like, hey, Joel, look how gross my eye looks and I'm going to go put goop in it and you have to fucking love me anyway. <laughs> um, and he but, doesn't. He said he, that he threw it. He, he doesn't. He I'm out. Joel's gone. <laughs> um, that's what's scary is Joel is gone. Um, <laughs> but silver lining, I found these pink glasses that I have that I think I got for free at a cat museum that, um, that anytime I've had to leave the house in the past couple days, which I've been keeping to a minimum, I wear these, uh, fun, crazy pink glasses because it makes it harder to see my eye. And I think they're just distracting and they make me feel fun. Yeah. So uh, it's, you know, it's a new vibe. I'm leaning in. I love it. It looks great. Thank you. It's fun. So now I, you know, I, I have pink Elton John glasses and that's just how I'm coping. And it just reminded me, as you said that, that I have yellow glasses that I bought a while ago Ooh. that I never wear because I'm like, when the hell am I going to wear these glasses that are too tinted to be regular indoor glasses, but not tinted enough to be outdoor glasses, but maybe I'll wear them right I now like in them. solidarity. Please wear them. Yeah, I like them. I, I think that you, I think that you can do tinted glasses inside under certain circumstances i guess so i guess it's just a choice it's and i had to embrace that yeah like being wearing these out yesterday being like this is crazy but like i am gonna keep them on my face because i have a reason to and being like no no no, this is just who i am you know and just sort of leaning into that yeah kind of fun i love that well <sighs> anyway, i hope Sammy. that all of these things are on the mend and by this time next week everything's gonna be everything's perfect. gonna be great i will be i'll be on a break from school at that point so fucking hell yeah 
Everything is temporary, baby. Everything is temporary. Everything's temporary, Inclu- including it's this life. The good. <laughs> it, it, uh, I'll be dead before I know it. And that's what we can all hold on to. <laughs> just, just wait. Just wait the for that sweet day. Release of death. I was talking to my dad yesterday about um, the midsummer thing about dying at 72 and how cool that is. And we were both like, yeah, that's cool. And I was like, is this a conversation <laughs> a father wants to have with his daughter about like, wouldn't it be cool if we could just be dead before we get old? <laughs> um, anyway, it was, it was a nice combo for us. So, uh, Sammy, what's great. up with you? Anything scary? Um, well, the time change happened this morning mm. that I don't like this time change. I prefer fall back to spring forward for sleep reasons. for sleep reasons i guess i like it being you know lighter later Ooh, yeah, that baby. part i am excited about but yeah it comes at a cost i just felt immediately out of sorts this morning and rushed and like i'm behind and yeah I've, i kind of feel that way all the time anyways and so <laughs> it's not a huge it's losing an hour of your life as an ideal <laughs> in that circumstance yeah so it just kind of worsened that but actually what i wanted to talk about is is this is a um plea for advice from the listeners anyone mm. that's had this happen before i will be seeing a professional <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> figure out how to phrase this without spoiling it um which is oh that boy. my cats have been attacking each other oh, particularly yeah. one asserting his alpha dominance over the other any yeah. of you who have two cats might they might do this as well where one of them bites the other's neck and puts him into this kind of submissive position. It looks like he's about to hump him. It's like a mating thing almost, but Mm -hmm. these are two boys and they're neutered. But still, I think the instinct might be that that's Mm -hmm. happening and a little bit of this dominance play. But they've done that for a while and it's usually fine and it just, you know, lasts 15 seconds or so and then they get over it and move on with their days. Um, (laughs) well, things to do. uh, We got to look out the window some more now. (laughs) And, and usually it's fine. But lately, my one cat, Mac, I'll call him out. Yeah, call him by name. Don't let him hide. Fist at him. (laughs) And I gotta say too, Mac, smaller in stature. I know. It's kind of surprising. I know you would think that Bunk would be the Bunk's dominant little, one, but no nope. scaredy boy. Bunk is a so is Mac. Uh, what's going on here? I don't know, but Mac has been getting too aggressive with these yeah, he's been power naughty. plays. And the other day I noticed Bunk has like a a big wound on his neck and he Mac took off like skin and he was bleeding and it looked really sad and mm. I don't know what to do about it. And uh, that one, I'm just like, I was just, you know, keeping an eye on it. I think I put some A&D ointment on it. I read that coconut oil can be okay, but it, it healed up pretty quick. But the, and then as I was look, checking it, looking, seeing it's, it's, you know, looks pretty healed. It's about the size of a dime, like a scab. I know. And that's now it's a little bald now patch. Now it's just a bald patch. <laughs> and Poor boy. As I was examining it. I noticed there's scabs all over, like on the other side too. So he's just getting freaking eaten. <laughs> oh no! And he has all these scabs, and he's he's like seems fine, and it, he doesn't like 
um, you know, flinch or anything when I touch him. He actually, he's like very sweet and purrs and like thinks I'm like grooming him. But also I know that cats like hide when they're hurt. They won't, they they won't show you if they're feeling pain because they, that's like a, um, a lot like women in that way. A lot like women. Um, (laughs) but that's, yeah, a little survival instinct of no, theirs. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. You can't even see me. So obviously I'm fine. I'm obviously fine. <laughs> you try to find me. You can't. I'm so fine. <laughs> and um, I looked that at, I have, you know, did a lot of Googling about it and it says to make sure they have, you know, their own litter boxes and enough food and their separate water bowls, which they do. They have all of that. Well, and they've lived together since they've they were together. babies. They're brothers. They, the, yeah. the other seven and I don't know why it's happening now all of a sudden that they're that Mac is being so Mac, bad and we'll say his name. <laughs> what happens at seven with cats? Is it like Max Saturn returns? <laughs> yeah, what's Mac, going on like, astrologically with What's them? happening with Max uh, chart? <laughs> they are both like Aquarians. I don't know if anyone out there if that. I think Saturn is moving into Aquarius. Oh or my god! Out of Aquarius. So this is out it of. It might be Max Saturn. Our, <laughs> this is all of out of our controls. Then oh god, there's nothing you could do, and that's what a professional will tell you as well. It says it's a Saturn return, and you just gotta Saturn wait return. for Saturn. Oh, you to, meant professional astrologer, right? That's who you're seeing. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> that's what I meant. Um, oh. No, but Bunk does need his shots updated, so he does need to go to the vet soon anyways. And I figure I'd ask her, but I don't know. I feel like whenever I go to the vet, they're always like, oh, it's like this really easy thing. And it's like not at all that. I, that's yeah. like a very un, dis, non-descriptive way of describing my experience at the vet. But I feel like they're always <laughs> like, oh, have you tried like because there's a neighbor cat that comes and fucks with them at the door, too. And mm. they're like, oh, just like. Um, like put a little fence up around the door so that no cats can get in. And it's like, what? Like <laughs> install a, a you just barricade your apartment. What are you talking? What is it? <laughs> that was a real mm. suggestion that they gave. And it's like, um, move into the sky where cats can't go. What you, what's the problem? <laughs> They're like, yeah, just whatever you need to do to like make it so the cats can't go there. And I'm like, I don't know what you like. It's a door. Dedicate your life to it. Say, dedicate your life to it. <laughs> it's a door to the outside world that I just, I don't know. What Build I, another door <laughs> and then another door. Yeah. So I'm, I will take him to the vet, but I'm not super hopeful. And I trust our listeners much more than I trust Ooh, yeah, my vet. Baby. So we definitely have some listeners who are, um, like animal yeah. specialists. So we've had, we've gotten some good feedback really, before. Really so use some tips. It's your time to shine. It's your time to shine. I do, whenever it's happening, I do try to positively distract Mac with like a toy. Mm-hmm. Cause I know yeah, cats, cats don't, don't respond, respond to, punishment. to punishment. My God, those little assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, do I want to punish him cause he's making me so mad anyway so that's been a little scary um but they and the coconut oil thing is tough because my cats like to eat that's what i said i'm scared that won't help it'll make him a tastier he's gonna be too tasty max gonna be licking his little chops (laughs) (laughs) oh my god okay but another scary thing that happened to both of us this week we both saw this week's movie. We did. Which is Scream 6, <laughs> directed by Matt Bettinelli Open and Tyler Gillett, written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick, based on characters by Kevin Williamson, starring Marissa. 
Melissa Barrera, Jenna Ortega, Courtney Cox, Jasmine Savoy Brown, Mason Gooding, Dermot Moroni, Jack Champion, Josh Segarra, Leanna Liberato, and Roger Jackson. And it is in theaters now. Just came out this past weekend. I love Scream, man. I really do. They're so fun. They really They're are. They're so fun. They're a scary movie that I can freaking watch, uh, which is great. Yeah. I loved, spoiler alert, I loved it. I had a f- great time. Oh, I will say, though, another scary thing that happened to both of us is at this showing of Scream, which is an R-rated movie and the most violent of any of the Scream movies I've ever seen, mm-hmm. which I've only seen one, two, and five. So maybe three and four are really bad, but it's a fucking gnarly and our theater was filled with children, filled young under children, 10 year old, under ten, like tiny, ch- tiny, real baby children. children. <laughs> real tiny. It children. was like it felt like we were going to see a Disney. It was like full families with young children. It was so weird. It was. So, it was la- everyone was talking the whole time. It was the normal volume talking the whole experience. time. It was so weird. The guy next to Joel t- was there with his full family of children, took his shoes off, was using his phone as a flashlight. It was like it was so weird. Yeah, we can't go to matinee screenings at the mall anymore. No, uh, that's on us. <laughs> we did do was. a Saturday matinee at the mall. So, yeah, it was. I guess that's what you do if you have kids. I don't know what the fuck I would do. I guess, I guess just put them in a theater. But any other movie. Ay, ay, ay. Um, nevertheless, we managed to enjoy our movie going experience. Yeah, it says a lot about the says a lot about the quality of the film that we were still it able does. to enjoy it. <laughs> it really does. Um, I would see it again. I really, I honestly, I mean, we'll talk about it, but I really had, really had a very fun time at the movies. Yeah, and it was in 3D. This is the yeah. first Scream to be in 3D, which sounded very strange to me, but I was curious about it because we just went and saw Titanic in 3D. Can't go in ep- mm. a single episode without freaking heard about Titanic. it. <laughs> but um, uh, I, did, I didn't mind the 3D. Usually I'm a, not a big 3D person. Same. I feel like it wasn't like really over the top. No. But it didn't like do nothing. No blood came at us. No. They right. It just was like, yeah, it's like a, a little more depth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was it. Yep. So that was well done. Um, Scream 6 has a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, 61 on Metacritic, 7.4 on IMDb. The budget was $35 million, and so far, this is Sunday of the opening weekend, it's made $44.5 million. Woo. So this one has done better than the previous one, Fifth Scream, and I think a lot of that can be attributed to Jenna Ortega being so very famous right now. That is a very good point. She is massive now. Yeah. So between the last movie and this movie, Wednesday came out on Netflix, which I never watched. Did you watch it? I did watch it. Um, It's cute. Yeah. I don't think that I will watch it. Not that I I don't believe that it's cute. It's just... (laughs) Seems like not. Yeah. I'm maybe not the target audience for it. I uh, yeah. I I I people love it. It's she's amazing. It's it's like it's very fun to watch her. I I fucking love her. Um, but maybe it's just it was described to me as um better than Riverdale and like <laughs> so uh, that obviously worked against it. That absolutely is false. Um, <laughs> uh, it's absolutely false. Riverdale is 
singular and um Yes, it's also bad, but it's also perfect. And it, Wednesday didn't like hit those notes for me. God, I'm so curious. Jenna, Silent Jenna sent us the trailer for the latest season of Riverdale. I don't know what's going on with Riverdale lately, to be honest. There is time travel. They're trapped in a different time now. They're, they're really going off the rails. They have it. jumped the shark, but I got no problems with that. <laughs> oh, my God. And we didn't even talk about Cole Sprouse's interview on oh my God. Call Her Daddy. Have you listened to it yet? I haven't, but I will. No, I've just seen the clips that are going around where he talks about how he's been cheated on by every girlfriend and how and he's smoking a cigarette inside it's the smoking of the cigarette inside which is so funny he's leaning back in that chair so relaxed. I basically I mainly just want to listen to the interview for the moment where he says can I smoke in here like I know that that like has to be a thing right unless it he just like to be. fucking goes for it maybe he walked in with it I, uh, like to me I'm like that's that's being famous for your whole life is you just go like yeah I'm gonna smoke yeah I think I'll be I'm smoking, smoking inside, wherever I, I, I want I feel like it actually <laughs> yeah I'm excited for that but anyway you know Wednesday's cute Jenna Ortega is amazing but it's Snow Riverdale and don't try to claim it is yep fair that's all I got to say. Uh, okay, this is the first scream without Neve Campbell, which uh, we is it Neve? Have we, we've done this before? I think it's is it Neve? It's Neve. I usually say Nev, and I it's Neve. It's Neve for real. Mm-hmm. So, listeners, a little peek behind the curtain. A lot of times when I'm insecure about how a person's wow. name is pronounced, I will go on YouTube and type in Neve Campbell pronunciation. <laughs> it's it's very smart. And that's where I learned that it's Neve. So if it's not Neve and if it is Nev, like I originally thought, don't come for me. Always, I mean, Sui. it's spelled Neve. Yeah. Right? I've just always been like, well, that's not what it is, which is rude of me. I've... I guess I was about to say I've never heard of someone's name being Neve, but I don't know if I've ever heard of somebody's name being Nev. So true. But yeah, I think it's Neve. And I remember there was buzz around the Internet when she declined to be in this movie because they would not pay her enough. She tweeted, as a woman, I've had to work extremely hard in my career to establish my value, especially when it comes to Scream. I felt that the offer that was presented to me did not equate to the value I've brought to the franchise. It's been a very difficult decision to move on. To all my Scream fans, I love you. You've always been so incredibly supportive to me. I'm forever grateful to you and to what this franchise has given me over the past 25 years. Uh, That was devastating. We absolutely hate to hear it. I know, but I, I'm so like, what a hard decision on her part and good for her, man. I, every It was, it, it totally sucks. It totally sucks. But yes, everyone was like super supportive of that decision. All the um, new generation of actors in this film all tweeted their support of her. Matthew Lillard tweeted support. Like, yeah, of course. Oh, like Lillard. Oh my God. I love Matthew Lillard. <laughs> um, and so we also obviously completely support this decision and i hope that she comes back in a future installment when they decide to pay her whatever the yeah, fuck she, what she fucking for. deserves i wonder how much they paid skeet for his little floating head <laughs> situation <Yeah. laughs> um and yeah on the flip side of that courtney cox was like the first person to sign on to it and said <laughs> yes and she said she she would have done it for free because she loves this character so much so just kind of the other end of the, yeah. s- the spectrum there also god how rich do you think courtney cox is so she rich. had that tv show that ran forever too friends <laughs> That's not the one I was thinking 
<laughs> she had that show. I think I like think of friends as too far in the past for them to still be rich off, which obviously it's not if they are good no, with my their God, money, but I so feel like rich off of Matthew friends. Perry, like really, I feel like blew through all that well, money. Like they could have blown through it if, if, if they, they could their mind to I think it. he made specific choices. Yes. Uh-huh. But no, I was thinking of Cougar Town. <laughs> um, yeah. Just that it was more that was on for a long recent, time, and it was on for a long time. So I bet. And now she's in another show. Like, I fucking love Courtney Cox. She's great. We talked about this at the movies yesterday. I love her. Yeah, she's really. Great. I love her. And the older I get, and, the, and whenever I like rewatch episodes of Friends, I'm always like, she's the fucking star, man. Yeah, she is. She's so good on Friends. So funny. Love Monica. Mm. Love Monica. Um, this scream was filmed in Montreal. It's set in New York City. Tagline, I think, was in New York, no one can hear you scream, which is a fun play on Alien and Space, no one can hear you scream. Very fun. Um, this I thought was very interesting. So Hayden Panettiere returns to the franchise in this film. She is in mm-hmm. Scream 4, which I rewatched earlier this week. It's not not the best one, but she's great. Uh, she's... Yeah. Um, you know, it's still fun. I realized in this, it's like, I feel like I haven't seen her in very much. Okay, like well, she's a huge star. Okay. This get, is, yeah, get into it. this is the first thing she's been in, in five years. Holy shit. And Kevin Williamson said that Kirby would have been back sooner, but the production team couldn't find Hayden Panettiere. <laughs> We're like, where's Kirby? We couldn't find her. William Williamson. Well, Cause she was a hundred percent fine and <laughs> nobody needed to see her. She's fine. <laughs> and, he said she doesn't have an agent, so she just sort of disappeared. They like literally couldn't contact her. <laughs> he had to eventually find someone with her personal phone number what? because she is not reachable through agents. And so he worked with someone who worked with her who had her cell phone number and like had to eventually call her. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> Oh, yes, totally. I'll do the movie. <laughs> so weird. Whoa. What's up with that? That's cool. Yeah, I'm very fascinated by that. She must have some great work-life separation. Mm-hmm. And I love to hear it. This is also the longest film in the franchise, two hours and three minutes. And I got to say, it like it felt I was at some point getting nervous about having to recap it. I was like, oh my God, a lot is happening. It like still just mm-hmm, keeps happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> it keeps happening. We'll see how we do. Yeah, we're going to be okay though. We're going to be okay. Uh, Samara Weaving is in this film who is the main character in Ready or Not, which is a very fun movie that we've pr- recapped previously. And... I had forgotten this, but Matt Bettinelli Open and Tyler Gillett are the directors of that. So that makes right. sense. Right. I remember they they did your next, right? No, that, that it was Ready or Not. No, it was Ready or yep. Not. Yep. Okay. So that was just. I loved Ready or me Not. Me too. Also. Me too. I really did. Very fun. I think this was the first time I'd heard Samara Weaving use her actual Oh my gosh, me accent. too. Yeah, I meant to. I, it was so, it was like really throwing Yeah, me. she's Australian and I, she always does American accents and it, it was bizarre to hear but i love it obviously but i obviously love it obviously i'm a big fan of any accent let me hear those real accents yeah oh man i want matthew reese to be welsh in something so bad (laughs) (gasps) well he is in their little wine show right yes oh my god with um what's his face other matt other matt theo 
Matthew. Oh, that's not who I was thinking of, but you're right. It is that guy. Matthew Good. Matthew Good. Oh, who were you thinking of? Um, it. I was thinking of... <laughs> Why can't I think of his this name? This is why we need Henley. I really feel like when she's not here, we go off the rails. We go off the rails and we're trying to remember the name of somebody who's not even in anything we're talking about. Not even in the thing we're talking about him being in, which isn't the thing we're talking about. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, we're getting too, but too I do many levels know of separation. <laughs> I, I remembered I'm thinking of Michael Sheen and it's not, oh. it's not him. It's Matthew Good. <laughs> it is Matthew Good, but I would like to see a show with Michael Sheen and and Matthew Reese. Doesn't that sound fun? Drinking wine? It sounds really fun with their accents. With those accents? Sign me up. Yeah, that sounds fun. Um, but okay, should we? Once again, not what we're talking <laughs> about. Not what we're talking about. <laughs> Has nothing to do with what we're talking yeah, about. But okay, we're going to get back to what we're talking about right now. And yeah. should we watch this trailer? We should watch it. I had this secret. There's a darkness inside of me. It followed me here. And it's gonna keep coming for us. We share a certain history. This isn't like any other ghost face. What is this place? A shrine. We've got to lure him in. We execute him. Hello. Let's play a game. You know you're like the tenth guy to try this, right? It never works out for the dipshit in the mask. Maybe. But there's never been one like me, Gail. <laughs> I'm something... different. That's why I'm gonna shoot you in the head. That felt like a real horror trailer. Do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. sometimes Scream is like a little more playful and the movie still felt pretty, pretty playful in the way that Scream does. But that trailer was like fucking scary. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Sometimes I hear as an editor, just all of the like cobbles. It's called like Franken biting when you're put, putting different words together to make a new sentence. And uh -huh. there's one in there that's really stands out to me. And they say, yeah, that trailer, the edit, the audio is not ideal. They, it's we've got to lure him in and it just go back and listen again. It sounds like <laughs> each of those words came from a different sentence. It's real and I think crazy. You did. <laughs> I think you did. We've got to lure him um, in. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds real yeah, crazy. Also, even that's like, maybe get not some ADR, exactly folks, the same, get but some they, ADR. Get some, get some ADR. They cut out um, a fucking that Gail yes. says. I'm going to shoot, shoot you in the, in the fucking head. head. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm going to shoot you in the head. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of a fun little game to just play. Just use a different line or get some ADR, you know? I, I, I don't yep. know. Um, but other than that, fun trailer. That subway scene is so I really love good. this subway scene. They are, yeah, in this crowded subway. Must be Halloween. Everyone's in costume. It's Halloween night. And we get all these little, little fun Easter horror eggs. Easter eggs. Yeah, I see Pinhead. I spy Pinhead. I spy Pinhead. There's a, a Baba Duke. Um. Yeah. Ooh. ooh who's he? Ooh, let me get a little, ooh, me get a little backstory ooh. on him. Ooh, who's he? Ghost Ghostface. Move aside. Move aside. <laughs> the guy I want to talk to behind you. Yeah, there's someone extremely hot right behind you. Hmm. It's kind of an interesting, mysterious figure behind you. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's really, it's a, it's a really, it's a very fun take. I liked it a lot. I thought all the performances were very good. Yeah, I like this new generation of yeah characters. I'm into it. It's working for me. It's the bleakest time of the year, so you know what that means. We deserve to get cozy on the couch, rewatch our favorite TikTok videos, and drink a goddamn glass of wine. If you ever struggle to pick out the right bottle, you will love our next sponsor, Naked Wines. Did you know that when you buy wine today, most of the money goes to things like fancy packaging, big budget marketing campaigns, and tax? That is crazy. Naked Wines is a subscription service that seamlessly connects you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet. So you get a box of the market's best quality wines, however often you'd like, for a fraction of the price. And hold on to your butts, you guys, because the deal they have for you is insane. Just wait. So how do they do it? Naked Wines connects winemakers and wine drinkers directly, allowing for vineyard-to-door delivery at up to 60% off what you would normally pay in a store. By cutting out the traditional retail middleman costs and markups, winemakers can pass those savings on to you without skimping on quality. I can't stop talking about Naked Wines. I love that their quiz matches you with bottles that you love, and each shipment includes wines they recommend based on your previous ratings. I'm currently loving their organic options, especially the Chris Condos Cabernet from Mendocino County, and they've been around for 10 years, and they fund over 90 independent winemakers. So with no commitments or membership fees, you can enjoy Naked Wines hassle-free. And the best part, every bottle is a passion project from an independent winemaker, so you're literally making an independent winemaker's dream come true. So head to nakedwines.com slash too scary and enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website and put in too scary for both the code and password to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 with shipping included. That's $100 off and less than $7 per bottle. So that's nakedwines.com slash too scary and use the code and password too scary and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time, that's nakedwines.com slash too scary code and password too scary for $100 off your first six bottles. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Um, and I guess we should freaking get into it. Let's do it. Eee. Okay, so let's do a quick, again, disclaimer. We already mentioned it, but we both just saw this in theaters yesterday. One time, one time only, folks. And one time just a only. reminder that the, everyone was talking at normal volume the whole time <laughs> all around us. Yeah, everyone was talking at normal volume. It's also a two-hour scream. So, you know, we're, we're doing our best. Yeah, we might go through it a little quicker. We might skip stuff. We might, who knows? But we're, we're going to give you the gist of it. We're going to get you all the important stuff. We can get to what you need to know. And and kudos, shout out to Joel, who I took notes and was like, okay, let me read these to you and tell you, like, you could tell me what I missed. And I, I missed a lot. So <laughs> Joel did a really good, he was like, wait, what about this whole thing? I was like, oh, right, right, right. So um, kudos to thank Joel. Thank you, Joel. Um, thank you, Joel. Uh, even though, actually, why am I shouting him out? He's no longer with me. <laughs> <laughs> he left you over the sty. He left me. I'm trying desperately to get him back. Joel! <laughs> Come back. I need you um, for the podcast. Okay. Let's get into it. Yep. We start with our cold open. God, here's the thing I love about Scream. 
I love like the anticipation of that cold open. Mm -hmm. You're like, who's the star going to be? It's going to be somebody I know. They're going to die right away. I love knowing these things. Yep. It's a it's just I it's it's fun how predictability can be so exciting. And it's fun how this movie plays with that predictability and yes. sometimes sticking true to the form or I'd say overall sticking true to the form but with with things that do Playing surprise you. It. And so this we're starting in a crowded bar which I feel like is not the norm. Yeah. It's usually someone no, it's, alone at home getting a phone call. We're very much playing with it being like New York City, which is super fun. And I, yeah, I was very delighted by the immediate kind of change up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we see, we see Samara weaving at, uh, at a restaurant bar alone, clearly waiting for a date. She's like looking around, trying to make eye contact. It's like a blind date. She doesn't know who she is meeting necessarily but she's like looking around she looks very hot in this like lime green yellow dress she's babe she's babe um and, and she gets a, a text from her date being like uh oh i think i'm lost uh she's giggling she's very excited about this guy and he's he texts her can i call and we go oh boy here we go it always starts with a phone call we're getting excited uh, she says yes he calls her she answers and he's like oh, I'm lost can you help me figure out where the date is you know I'm, I just moved to New York not that long ago just to me too he says I'm so embarrassed that I'm gonna look stupid in front of a, a professor and she says oh I'm just a professor of, professor of film studies you know it's it's no big deal and so they get start talking about her job. He says, oh, you know, professor of film studies. What do you what do you teach? And she's like, oh, well, you try teaching a group of college students about the importance of uh, slashers. Um, and so, yeah, she's she's her specialty is slasher movies. And so they start talking about slasher tropes, the final girl. Uh and he says, oh, yeah, never answer your phone. And she goes, ha, 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 right. <laughs> never answer your phone. And uh, so he's telling her, you know, what what does it look like from the outside? She goes outside. She's looking at the sign. He's like, is 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 there? Oh, I'm a street over. Is there an alley in front of the restaurant? She turns around and goes, yeah, there is. And he goes, oh, I, OK, I'm at the end of the alley. Do you see me? So she starts walking deeper and deeper into that alley. No, we're going. Trying no, to no, find no, this no, guy. No, no, no. Get out <laughs> and of that to be fair, alley, she's, she's like looking stressed. She's starting to like look stressed at this point a little bit. She's like, mm, like aware that she is doing the things that you shouldn't be doing. But it's a night in New York. There's people all around. Yep. And and presumably, you know, she's had like text conversations with this guy. Right. So she thinks she, you know, knows she's meeting a, a person who she's had. You know, she's excited to be on a date mm -hmm. with. Um, so she start Yeah. She's like, OK, I'm, I'm like in the alley. Do you see me? Will you wave? And she's waving and she's like, I don't see you. And he says, oh, maybe I'm in the wrong places. They're like, is there a dumpster halfway down the alley? And she's. She's walking further into the alley and she's like, I, yeah, I don't see you. And he goes, and then he starts using the voice changer and goes, oh, it's interesting how a professor of film studies could be so stupid as to walk into an alley in the middle of the night. I don't know what he says, but, you know, something <laughs> ghost facey and... He stabs her. He, <laughs> he launches got, out of a, yeah, launches a, out a of little a, dark corner. Yep. 
stabs, stabs her, her a, bunch, a of whole bunch of times. A lot of um, twisting of the knife in this yeah. screen. Like a stab and a twist happens <laughs> quite a lot. Yep. But he stabs her, stabs her, stabs her. She is very dead. And as he stands over her, he takes his fucking mask off. Ghostface never takes his mask off. What the fuck? What the freaking what the heck? Freaking heck are what? expectations subverted again? Um, but yeah, he takes his mask off. We see it's a, just a dude who I recognize and cannot figure out where from, and it's driving me crazy. I remember Joel reminded me after he's the kid from Grand Budapest. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was bothering me. So it's it's that guy. But yeah, he takes his mask off. We see him. He leaves the mask there. And uh, and cha- and like takes off his you know cloak. Would you call it a cloak? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he takes off his cloak and grabs his backpack. He's just like a normal looking fucking twenty year old dude. Walks away down the street. We see him as he's walking home. He passes by Tara, who's Jenna Ortega, and her group of friends, and they know each other. They say hey, and she's like, he asks her where she's going. She says she's going to the some frat party. They're dressed in Halloween costumes. So we're like, oh, okay, it's like it's Halloween weekend. Looks like they're on a, yeah, like on a college campus. Yeah. And he goes, oh, is, is Sam going to be there? And she's like, oh, yeah, right. Sam would never be caught dead at a party. And they're like, oh, ha, ha, ha. OK, uh, see you later. And uh, we and they continue to follow him as he goes home. As he enters his apartment, he calls for Greg, his roommate. No response. Kind of a fun little thing he's watching. He puts on Jason Takes Manhattan. Just a, a fun little... Oh, that's fun. Another little Easter egg. Lots of hidden little references throughout. Yeah, and so he's he's calling for Greg. Greg's not there. Um, and he then he gets a phone call from Greg. And he answers it, and uh, it's Greg using the Ghostface voice. And he's like, oh, hey, Josh, what's his name? Let's just say it's Josh. Jason, maybe. I think it might be Jason. Hey, Jason. So you had a little practice tonight. And and he's like, we said we wouldn't use the voice on each other. But which all I kept thinking about was Dune. Use the voice. Um, (laughs) I keep calling it the voice. Use the voice. Use the voice. Um, And he's like, oh, fine, fucking whatever. He's like, yeah, okay. I like, I want, sorry. I just like wanted some practice. It felt so good. He's like, tell me how it felt to have the life leave her body. And he's like, if it, every time I, she was like an animal, she wasn't a person anymore. And every time I stabbed her, I, then she was just meat. Um, and we learned that he and Greg are, they want to finish Richie's film. Richie, played by Jack Quaid in Scream 5, was one of the killers who was like a, a film-obsessed uh, guy who was trying to make his own, like remake the perfect version of the Stab movies, basically. And so mm-hmm. they're like, oh, we were trying to finish Rich- we want to finish Richie's film, which means we need to kill the Carpenter sisters, which is Sam and Tara, Jenna Ortega and Melissa Barrera. So they were practicing on their film studies teacher because he didn't like the teacher. Yeah, she gave him a C plus. (laughs) And he's like, seriously, Greg, where are you? Like, come home. I'll tell you about it. And Greg's like, well, why don't we play a game? You know, hot and cold, right? And uh, (laughs) why is my ghost face so sexy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he starts and. Jason's like, fucking fine. Okay, great. And he's like, come fa- come and find me, Jason. Oh, getting colder. And um, eventually leads Jason into the kitchen. 
uh, and he's like getting warmer, warmer as Jason like looks towards the fridge and finally opens it. And inside that fridge is a decapitated Greg head on one shelf, body on the other fridge full of blood. There are children everywhere in this movie theater. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Jason, of course, turns around. Ghost face is there. Stabs him, stabs, stabs, stabs him a bunch and goes, do you feel like meat? And uh, Jason goes, we have to finish the movie. And Ghostface goes, fuck movies or something like that. <laughs> who gives a fuck about gives, movies? Yeah, who gives a fuck about movies? Scream 6, title card. <laughs> I thought it was a fun open. It was a very fun open. And because Ghostface... Ghostface, that we knew as soon as he took that mask off, that ain't the real Ghostface. We yep. knew that much. Yep, yep. Um, and so yeah, then we get then we get our real Ghostface, and oh, sorry, no, he had he hadn't left his mask at the scene that the first guy he because we see him like hang it back up, Jason in his little like closet when he gets mm, home. That's right. He's a, a big stab fanatic. Right, right, right. Then we come up, I think, on Sam in therapy. Sam, our mm-hmm. main character from the. Last movie, Melissa yep. Barrera, played by Melissa Barrera, and she is in therapy with um, another actor from Ready or Not. Oh, and from uh, Mission Impossible 1, Kittredge. Wow. Really just an important fact. Important. That is For important. all my Tom heads. Mm-hmm. And she is looking nervous to basically tell him like she's she's psyching herself up to be able to reveal to this therapist that um the trauma in her past is not only that she killed her ex-boyfriend who was Richie but that she liked it and that it felt right and he immediately and i think pretty unprofessionally is like well uh, <laughs> and, and like so done. he's basically starts like pulling at his he's collar like, like oh, okay oh, you got to like go this. you got to get the <laughs> fuck out of here <laughs> just totally freaking out and he's like saying how he also, needs to also why are they having a therapy session like at night it's weird I, I had a in l- his house too weird like, what but yeah, he basically says, I'm going to need to report this. And she is rightfully getting very uh, mad. Like, I, I'm not saying that I'm going to do anything like this is what I wanted to talk about. You're just like all the others. So she can't find a therapist to help her Ugh. with the trauma that she has experienced. But she's just really trying. And you gotta, needs a therapist you for gotta this. give her credit for really uh, seeking out that therapy. And because a therapist would not need to report this. A therapist should help her through this. A therapist reports when you say, I'm going to hurt somebody. Yes. I want to do that. And that's not what she says. And she does say that to him. She's like, I don't want to hurt anybody, but I just am trying to tell you my honest, tell you my truth. And he won't hear it. He kicks her out and says, this is over. And Mm. we see Sam goes back to her apartment that she shares with Tara and... Uh, another roommate named Quinn, who we meet. She's hooking up with someone loudly in the bedroom. Sam is kind of laughing and she comes out and we're getting like jokes of like, who's this guy now? We get the impression that there is a rotating slew of men coming in and out of this bedroom. And we know that uh, there's a horror trope in horror movies and slasher mm. movies, particularly. Mm. This is an important archetype in slasher. And we see Sam 
looking through the window in the kitchen across the way at a neighbor's house and they kind of are making eyes at each other and then quickly averting their eyes like they've like she has a crush on him but Mm -hmm. maybe is afraid to open herself up to someone again which makes a lot of sense since her last boyfriend was was a serial killer killer. yeah yeah but this is i just want to say this is josh sagara sagara yeah um from He's in the other two, and he's so fucking he's funny. So funny in the other two. I really love him, and loved him in this. And it, guess what? He is hot. <laughs> he is, yeah. Uh, Sam and Quinn have a little conversation, and Quinn is like noticing this. Like you should talk to him. And eventually, I think Sam is asking, like, where is Tara? Tara's supposed to be home, and she's not. And Quinn reluctantly tells her that Tara has gone to this frat party, which Sam is not pleased at because she is afraid of the outside world. It also makes a lot of sense. She says, well, did she at least bring her taser? And then they go over to like the key pile and there's a taser there. She's like, she didn't bring her fucking taser. So we see her grab a taser which is very funny like well at least does she have a taser which is like yeah honestly if i had been almost murdered i would bring a taser fucking everywhere everywhere everywhere. absolutely and then we go to the frat party we see tara is there getting a little bit drunk and there is a a guy there sloppy she's getting a little drinking a little too much there's a guy there that we don't like the look of his intentions he's looks like he wants to hook up with her and is like trying to get her away from everyone to go upstairs we see our other characters from the previous movie we have um uh jasmine savoy brown's character what's her mindy mindy and her new girlfriend anika and they're Mindy is the one that's like the most obsessed with horror movies and the how they all go. So I don't know. They're kind of like watching the crowd, observing everything. And we see Mindy's brother, Chad, and his new roommate, Ethan, are in another room talking to people, having fun. Everyone's just enjoying the party. But then when we see Tara about to go upstairs with this guy that looks untrustworthy up to no mm-hmm. good up to no good uh they all come and try to stop her from going upstairs and uh a fight breaks out between chad and the guy and then as they're fighting sam arrives taser in hand and i really liked it she's she like separates them and she turns to the the guy that was trying to hit on tara and says hold on one second i'm just gonna tase you in the balls real quick and then tases (laughs) him in the balls (laughs) um and the group of the group of them all leave together and they're walking out and we see when she when she tases and people have their phones out like taking a video and someone says like oh it's that crazy girl um, yeah, so we're getting the impression are. that people know who Sam is. And then as they're leaving or as they're walking outside, kind of on the college campus, a group of girls walks by and dumps a Coke on her and is they're also filming her and calls her a murderer. Call her murderer. And we learn that there is a rumor that has been spread that Sam was actually the one that killed everybody and framed Richie. And the other girl, I can't remember her name now, but basically Amber, Amber, but basically that Sam is the true killer and she's clearly being taunted and bullied by Mm -hmm. other college kids and seems like she's uh, not having a good time. Basically, everyone is constantly staring at her, filming her, yelling at her. her. Yeah. 
Um, because she's Billy Loomis's daughter. That that word got out. Um, and and also on the way home, Sam and Tara get into a fight. Tara is really upset at Sam for doing that, tasing the guy that she's going to hook up with. And she's like, you just, you need to let me like live my life. I can't, I don't. And Sarah's like, I don't want to let what happened to us dictate the rest of my life. Sam is upset with her for not dealing with it. And she's like, let me deal with it. How I want to deal with it. Like if I want to hook up with an asshole, like let me fucking do it. You don't let me like, you need to let me go. You never let me go. Mm -hmm. Like you, you came back into my life and now you won't let me go. Um, and it's it's sad they're they're not dealing with this trauma well it seems yeah um and dealing with it in two very different ways um and they get back to their apartment and we see uh tara in her room upset about this fight that they've had and quinn their roommate comes in and she's like i'm sorry i told sam where you were tara's like it's okay she was gonna fucking come anyway she's just like she can't like let me live my own life and Quinn says you know I get it um after after we lost my brother you know my dad was the same way really overprotective uh he even like transferred to the NYPD so that he could be near me like I get overbearing uh caregivers um and they have like a little little moment um a friendship over that and she says, like, just cut her some slack. You know, Sam just really, really loves and cares about you. And that's, you know, not a bad thing. And this is already where I'm starting to suspect everybody. Like, everyone that's not someone yeah, that's we know. that's the thing about Scream, man. <sighs> I'm already like, okay, this girl, I don't know about it. And basically... Don't, we don't know who she is. Basically, everybody. I suspect the people we do know, too. I'm like, has have they turned? Have Mindy and Chad yep, turned? Yep. I was really... <sighs> trying to solve it the whole time and guess what i didn't <laughs> i didn't either but yeah then we see we see sam sitting on the stairwell of the apartment also you know sitting with this fight that she and tara have had uh we see cute guy walk into the building and go to check his mail she walks over to him and they just start making out and we learn that they've actually been hooking up for a while and she doesn't want anybody to know she, you know, everybody thinks that she's a murderer and she doesn't. She just like can't uh, let anybody know anything about her life. She's like not ready to to deal with that. Um, but they're having like a nice moment. He's cute. He He's, you know, very sweet to her. Um, and just as they're having their little moment, Mindy from the top of the stairs calls down like, Sam, you need to come upstairs. You need to see this. Uh, so they all go back well, up to the apartment. That, before that, oh. also, Tara is like in her room and Chad oh, comes yeah. in and they have a very heated moment where it seems yeah, like they they're almost... about to kiss. There's some sexual tension there. And it's, it's and very I'm cute. Loving I'm really it. I don't remember this it. being in the first in this in no, screen five at all. at all. And I'm like, ooh, they're both like very cute. And I like this. I ship this. I People sh don't say that I, anymore. Yeah, it makes us sound old. I feel like we, we ship are. it. <laughs> um but yeah so they almost kiss and then quinn walks in and and cock blocks them and then yeah then everyone gets called into the living room because there is a news report on the tv of the murder scene that we just saw yes and so sam immediately is like okay pack a bag we are out of here we are leaving new york um and Tara's like wait we like this could have nothing to do with oh because we also were like oh they they were they were in they had ghost face costumes mm -hmm. <laughs> there so Sam is me like of course this fucking has to do with us like mm -hmm. 
and Tara's like, well, let's call Quinn's dad. He's in the he's in the NYPD. Like, let's just call him and see what the deal is before you freak out and like ruin my college education and leave town. So Quinn's like, okay, I'm calling my dad. Hold on. She calls him. We see that he is at the scene. He gets a phone call. We see him looking down on the ground where there is Sam's driver's license covered in blood at the scene. And he's like, yeah, Sam, you're going to need to come into the station. So it very much has to do with them. I mean, duh, this is a Scream movie. <laughs> Why else would we be watching it? Yes. Um, and the dad is played by Dermot Moroney. So just would call out hot dad. Alert. Hot dad. Hot dad. Alert. Hot dad alert. Hot dad alert. Isn't it crazy that his name is Dermot Mulroney and there's another guy whose name is Dylan McDermott and there's another guy whose name is Dermot. Wait, there's Dermot Mulroney, there's Dylan McDermott and there's another version of this name. I don't know the third one, but I have always confused those two, even it's though very I crazy. think Dermot Mulroney is the superior hotter. hotter. I think so, too. Of the two. Dylan McDermott, Dermot Mulroney. Dermot McDillon? No, that's, <laughs> that's nobody. <laughs> anyway, pretty weird. Um, so Sam and Sam goes to go to the station. Tara wants to come with her, uh, to which Sam is like, no, you should stay inside. And Tara's like, we're sticking together. And as they are walking down the street, Sam gets a phone call from Richie. Richie is dead. <laughs> so they're immediately like, okay, this is not good. Tara doesn't want her to answer it. And Sam's like, I'm fucking taking the call. And it's it's good. He's got a ghost face voice. Hi, Sam. And she's like, are you sure you want to do this? Because the last person who did this to me, I fucking stabbed a bunch of times. Like, you're dead. She's immediately trying to intimidate him. And pretty quickly, Ghostface comes up on them. Mm-hmm. And... uh Tries to stab them. Yep. And they run into a bodega on the corner. Yeah. They're they're like scre- they're freaking out. They're yelling yeah, at the guy. Like, call, call the police. Call the police. And this is a full bodega. There's like at least eight or so people in here. And Ghostface just struts right in after them, which I really thought this was an effectively scary scene because oh, yeah. of it. Again, like going against your expectations we kind of think of as ghostface as he attacks when you're alone and like away from the group yeah i feel like i feel like in previous screams ghostface like tucks away ghostface yeah. doesn't want to be seen ghostface isn't trying to like kill just anyone it's very strategic and i think yeah that like plays into or this is a this is a clever choice about it being in New York and I just think it's scary to me because of being alone and no one being able to hear you scream is very scary but being in a place where like no one gives a shit really what's happening to you because everyone's doing their own thing is also very scary and I uh, not to get too dark but we live in a world with a lot of mass Uh, shootings and places where people can walk into a bodega and start killing people. And so it was just like to see scream go into that territory, I think took it to a scarier level for me because it feels really real and really um, ups the stakes. Yeah. The fact that like running in there did not save them. If anything, it got a bunch of other people killed, which is another 
interesting thing about this movie and, and something that comes up a lot with Sam's guilt of being like, I'm getting I'm getting all these people killed because this guy's after me mm-hmm. and he's killing anyone in his path, which is real. like Ghostface kills more people than any other movie in this movie. Yep. Ghostface kills so many people, starting with this bodega. A guy comes up. A big guy comes up to Ghostface and is like, we got a problem. Uh, and Ghostface just fucking stabs him in the neck, kills him, uh, is killing people left and right, trying to get at Sam and Tara, who are absolutely terrified. Um, the guy behind the counter, the guy who owns a bodega, pulls out a big fucking shotgun, shoots at Ghostface, tells the girls to run out the back. The back door is locked. And um, and when the shot goes off, Ghostface like hides or or gets away. So I don't know where Ghostface is. Uh, but then we see in one of those big round, you know, con vex vex mm-hmm. mirrors, um, <laughs> Ghostface behind shop owner the, the shop owner stab a lot of neck stabs in this movie. I feel like yeah. really just getting right at that soft spot. Uh, it does feel like an effective place. If I, yeah, especially with a knife that big, like Yowza. Yep. Ghostface's knife is so big. That little hunting knife. Oof. It's massive. It's nasty. And it's like thick. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to get stabbed in the neck with that. <laughs> no. Um, but this guy does. And uh, and Ghostface takes his gun. And in this kerfuffle, Sam and Tara managed to hide but there's not a lot of room to hide in this bodega. And Ghostface I mean, is shooting, just like shooting. Yeah, and Ghostface takes the shot, which I also thought was interesting. I was like, Ghostface yep. doesn't use a gun. Again, this guy another, fucking does. Another breaking of the conventions. Ghostface always uses a knife, but not this Ghostface. He's not playing by those rules. No, he's like, I have a big fucking gun, so I'll use that. I don't care. Um, tries to shoot at them. Then we have a, a little like cat and mouse where they're hiding, um, and like crawling on the ground, trying to get away from him being really, really, really quiet. He's being, you know, walking around with the shotgun, trying to find them. They managed to get behind a, uh, you know, snack, uh, shelf mm-hmm. and he's on the other side of it and they managed to push it over on him so they can get away and run out as the cops are arriving because they've heard you know gunshots and screams uh-huh, and, and, and so the cops are arriving so they run out the front and then look back thinking we're we've got him in there but then he has gone out the back door somehow somehow maybe he shot the lock or something yeah. i don't know um but yeah so they escape but so does Ghostface. um and then we cut to them at the the police station and so they are now we're getting a little bit of information about the first set of murders. Dermot Mulroney is there and he is telling them Detective Dermot. Uh, De- Detective Dermot. I don't know his character name and I don't care. <laughs> um, Detective Detective Dermot is um, <laughs> is there and he's telling them uh, that at both scenes, murder scenes, ghost face masks have been left behind. And they are ghost face masks with DNA matches to previous ghost faces. So at the cold open murder of those two dudes, it's Richie yeah. is the mask left behind. The DNA is of Richie and Amber. This one, the DNA left behind is... Um, it's, it's moving 
backwards in it's moving backwards so it wouldn't be Oliphant no it it's be... the Scream 4 one so Culkin and mm. Emma Roberts Culkin and Emma Roberts I can't remember okay. their characters names doesn't matter but yes we we know that it's moving backwards in chronology of so it's the more recent killers first which is funny because they keep being like what are we counting down to and it's like what do you think well the first one (laughs) (laughs) we're counting down so you end at one Mm -hmm. that's (laughs) how that works (laughs) i could tell you that and i'm not a detective and as i've established in previous episodes i would be a bad detective yeah but i know i would but that much much i can do um yeah, so they yeah, just getting some information about like, you know, what 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 do we think this ghost face is all about? Um and we learn that the FBI is also they, you know, want to be on this case. And we see we go to see who this FBI agent is and it's Hayden Panettiere, aka Kirby, who was nearly killed by Ghostface in Scream 4. She and Sam have a moment of like, hey, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, it's you. Uh, you know, she was they went to Kirby Woodsboro was a senior together. Yeah. C- Kirby was a senior and Sam was a freshman. Uh, Kirby tells uh, Detective Dermot, like, yeah, we share we share a certain past. And she's like, I'm not trying to take over your case. I just have a vested interest in the Ghostface murders and I want to p- be here to be helpful. Yep. Um, and Sam then want, is like, okay, well, Tara and I are leaving town. Like, fuck this. We're getting away. And Detective Dermot says, you can't because you are persons of interest in a double homicide. So you can't leave town. They're leaving the police station, at least. They're like, all right, well, we're getting out of here. But as they walk out, there's a crowd of reporters, cameras flashing, people yelling in their face, Sam, Sam, Tara, Tara, tell us, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and of course, one of those reporters is Gail Weathers, who asks for, I don't know, asks for information on what just happened. Sam tries to punch her. They're pissed at her. I can't remember why there's some... Oh, because she wrote a book about them. She wrote a book. She, she loves did it. to she, write a book about each I time. I fucking love... <laughs> I get it. I mean, I love Gail Weathers. Um... Because they, they, yeah, they, because they left, they were on good terms at the end of five. Right. So we're like, oh, they're trying to punch her, and uh, well, so what? She, so Sam tries to punch her and she ducks, which is very funny because this exact scenario happened in Scream Two, yeah. where uh, Neve, uh, Sydney punches Gail mm-hmm. uh, because she wrote a book <laughs> about <laughs> the murders, and uh, so she dodges the punch. She goes like, I've been down this road before, and then Tara comes and punches her in the face. <laughs> um, and yeah, we learn it's. it's that's because she wrote a book again about what happened and and describes Sam as like being like a killer. Mm. Um, Sam's like, you're part of the reason why people think that I'm the murderer. And Gail's like, sorry, I'm just doing I'm like, I'm Gail Weathers. I'm going to fucking exploit <laughs> this for money. Like, doesn't mean I don't care. This is just my thing. Um, and they're like, fuck you. We don't we we don't need you around uh, us. And Gail looks sad about this. You know, she wants to she wants to be a part of the crew. There was a lot of meta moments with Courtney Cox where there are comments about like, well, you're like old and irrelevant if if you're Mm -hmm. like not like you need Ghostface to stay relevant. And I was like, well, this is kind of like brutal (laughs) for like Courtney Cox, the actress. Um, She's doing fine. She's doing fine. As we previously stated, she's very rich. She was a Cougar Town for so many seasons. She was the the massive (laughs) show that everybody knows. Cougar Town. (laughs) (laughs) She's doing great. Courtney Cox, most famously from 
cougar town. <laughs> so then after they leave the station, we get our, our whole group of friends gathered around to do our discussion of the rules as we do in these movies. It's once again being led by Mindy, who is our stand in for she's actually Randy's niece, right. Jamie Kennedy's niece, who is our, you know, from Scream One, the character who knows everything about horror movies. Yep. So um, our, our our we have our whole group of suspects and people who are involved, which is we've got Mindy, Chad. Tara and Sam. They were from the last Scream movie. Then our new additions are Mindy's girlfriend, Anika. Uh, Sam and Tara's roommate, Quinn. And Chad's roommate, Ethan. And so they're all gathered around to be like, here's the deal. Everybody's a suspect. Well, actually, also, Chad, I feel like at some point is like, well, we're not suspects because this happened to us before. And... Right, yeah, Mindy's saying everybody who's new is a suspect, yes. and Chad's like, yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're obviously not, because we've lived through this once before, and I can't remember who it is, Quinn, or someone is I like... it's Quinn. ...is like, well, wait a second, if all the other rules are out the window, that means that you guys could also be the killer, so no one is presumed innocent yes. here. Yes, because Mindy's saying, like, okay, the rules are now that we are no longer, this is no longer a sequel, this is no longer a requel, which is what she would talk about in the Scream 5. She's like, this is a franchise. Yep. And in a franchise, everything is bigger. The body count is bigger. Uh, the budget is bigger. Uh, the rules are out the window. Like, anything is possible. Anyone's a suspect. Anyone can die. Legacy characters. I I, mm -hmm. I love how Scream does it. She's like, legacy characters. Not safe anymore. They can die. Yep. Uh, your, your, your leads they're not safe. And we're just like, Sam and Tara, you could fucking die. Like yep. anything is on the table. And so that's why Quinn's like, okay, well, if anything's on the table, you guys are also suspects. Yep. Um, and that, yes, they mentioned like Quinn, you're a suspect because, you know, how did you end up living with Sam and Tara? Uh, and they're like, well, I answered an ad for a roommate and they're like, okay, well fucking that's, red flag yep, there. That could be it. And Sam and Tara say, okay, it was anonymous. Like there was no way to know that it was, that it was us. Uh, and then, yeah, Ethan's like, well, why am I here? Like, I was just because I was randomly placed as a roommate to Chad. And she was like, roommate lotteries can be rigged. Like, you could have chosen it. So you're a suspect. Uh, Anika, sorry, babe. But like, you could be trying to date me because you want to kill me. Never trust the love interest. Never trust the love interest. Uh, so, yeah, everyone, everyone is a suspect. And we have all reasons to suspect everyone. Um, but they decide regardless Safety in numbers. We don't leave each other's sight. Like, that's the deal from now on. Um, so they are... That's that's the situation as it now stands. Um, and then I think we cut to the therapist's house. Mm-hmm. Um, and he... <laughs> this part is so... <laughs> weird it's it seems like it's nighttime he's in his dark home in full silk pajamas <laughs> watching a black and white movie it's probably a horror movie i'm sure it is uh i don't recall but it, this is scream after all um and he gets a knock uh at his door i thought it was very fun the horror movie that he is watching or maybe this was jason takes manhattan one of them the movie he's they're watching is like and you're next you're next you're next is like how it ends with oh that's when fun. he's leaving the room um but yeah so he gets a little, little ring in his doorbell he gets up to go <laughs> to the door and we see it's daytime i don't know what this man was doing in his home <laughs> acting like it's fucking the middle of the night <laughs> but there's a shed so he has like a, a pebbly glass 
door window thing so you can like see a shape but you can't see through it clearly but he's a little hesitant and he's like the person keeps keeps knocking and he's like you're a little early for halloween like come back tomorrow um and he puts his face up to the glass real close to see who it is and then we see clearly through the glass a ghost face mask and ghost face stabs pushes his hand through that glass breaks his stabs right into the therapist's fucking nose through <laughs> his head children everywhere <laughs> and uh yeah kills that therapist breaks in and we see Ghostface steal Sam Carpenter's therapy file. Yep. Uh, cut to the police station where they have presumably found out about this uh, therapy murder. And they go over. They have like a classic little murder board where they're going over what they know. And oh, we left another uh, ghost face mask at the scene this time probably the killers from scream three mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh oh yeah it's scott scott foley i think they're like though and so they're going through the previous sab scream murderers and uh and we're learning a bit about each one and they this is when they're like it's all leading up to uh sam so all leading back to sam and billy loomis and the original murders Kirby leaves the room and we see Detective Dermot being like, wait a minute, why the fuck is she here? And he asks his associates to pull up everything they've got on FBI agent Kirby something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then then we cut to the the whole crew uh, at Sam and Tara's apartment getting ready to to settle in for the night all together. And we get a very cute scene of the uh the f- core four is what chad then calls them him and mindy and tara and sam um you know sam gets really emotional and is like i i can't you know can't believe i'm bringing you all into this again and they're like we're in this together we're survivors like we're the core four we're family it's very cute and as they are in the living room sitting down to dinner together in the dining room we see hot guy who can see into cute neighbor can see into their apartment and he can see into Quinn's room, the roommate. And she's got a guy in her shower. It, it seems like, uh, and which is very funny for them to all be like, okay, we're locking in the apartment. Nobody in or out. And she's like, okay, well I am going to have sex with this guy <laughs> who we never meet or see. Um, but we see her on the phone and it, we can see behind her. She can't see ghost face in her room and hot neighbor can see this and he's like trying to get her attention he's like banging on his window and lifting his window up i was like hey 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 she's not noticing uh and this is in the same apartment with everybody else and so then he's trying to call sam and she's having really sweet heart to heart with everybody and she's like letting them in a little bit and she's like i've been hooking up with hot neighbor and they're like yes i knew it i'm so (laughs) glad meanwhile he's trying to call her to be like there's fucking a murderer in your house but she's you know it's like oh i'll call him back they're all laughing, having a great time, and then they all simultaneously get a text on their phones, and it is a picture of Ghostface uh, stabbing, or like up behind Quinn. Which I was confused by, how does he have all of their numbers? How did it, all That's of always th- the thing with Ghostface, though. How does he call them all, you know? Wait, but I thought, oh, it's from Ghostface? It w- this wasn't from, yeah, this was from Ghostface. Okay, okay. I th- oh, I think. I assumed it was from Ghostface. I thought the perspective was from Hot Neighbor's apartment. It must have been. You're right. 
I assumed it was from Ghostface because Ghostface is always fucking with them that way. Maybe he airdropped. <laughs> Maybe he airdropped. That's actually pretty smart. I think, yeah, but that makes the most sense to me. Let's go That makes the most sense. He airdropped. Hawkeye airdrops them a picture, which is, I hope that's what he did because that's really fucking smart. <laughs> of, um, yeah, Quinn getting murdered by Ghostface. Because, oh, I think they had heard her making noise and were like, oh, she's really going at it with that guy. And then they're like, oh my God, no, fuck. It's fucking Ghostface. They start screaming. They run. They gather everybody. And in the uh, attempt to get out, Tara and Chad make it out of the apartment. But Sam, Mindy, and Anika are still in the apartment. And when Chad and Tara realize this and try to go back to get them, they are locked out, which means Sam and Mindy and Anika are locked in. So Chad and Tara are like, okay, we have to like get out and get help. So they run out back in the apartment with Sam and Mindy and Anika. And this is when he comes out of Quinn's room, throws her her body out. So she's dead and comes after them in the living room there. You know, oh, Sam goes to get her uh, get a knife from the kitchen. All her knives are gone. Yep. Um, and then so we see Ghostface. He manages to stab Mindy in the arm or like slice her in the arm and gets Anika. Oh, my God. He gets her. So he stabs her in the stomach and is like pushing her up against the wall, stabbed in the stomach twists that knife and moves it up yeah. like at least like six inches oh my god it's slicing awful. up slicing up and through like wide in her stomach oh, oh 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 but they manage somehow i think sam hits Ghostface in the head with the knife block yep and they manage to get the three of them into Quinn's room where they then discover a uh, guy she was fucking way dead in the shower covered in blood. Yep. And they manage to lock the door. Ghostface is locked out. They they push Quinn's dresser up against the door. So there's he's trying to get in, but they're managing to keep him out for the time being. But somebody really needs to be like pushing against that dresser. Hot neighbor guy from across the street is like, hey, I have a ladder. Uh, we look down, we realize we're like five stories up. Um, so they, they cannot climb out the window. But he's like, he puts a ladder, a metal ladder across from his window to theirs across the alley and is like, climb across, which seems fucking awful. But also they got the no other choice. option. And we also, we know, we don't know if we can trust him. We don't know, but we got to try. So uh, Mindy tells Sam to go first. Which she does, and it's very tense and scary, and she manages to make it across, and then Mindy tries to get Anika to go, but she's like, no, 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 you go, I'll be right after you. And and Sam and I are, are whispering to each other, we're like, she's so dead. Like, like there's no way Anika is surviving these Honestly, in these screen movies, I'm always wounds. like, all of these stabs seem so bad. I don't know how many stabs a person can survive. I guess if, if it's not in the worst, there's some places where, yeah, you could get stabbed and survive, but like, this one, no, no, no. He stabbed straight through front of her stomach to the back and up like it's it, you just like it, through the intestines, which I feel like you would just die immediately of like the contents oh. of your intestines pouring into like blood poisoning yeah, from your digestive she's absolutely <laughs> going to die in minutes like there's no she will not survive this. But so Mindy manages to make it across as well. And then 
Zanika's turn and she starts to climb across, but now nobody is holding the dresser against the door. So Ghostface is coming through, coming through, coming through, manages to get into the room while Anika is about halfway across the ladder. Also, again, Anika moments from death. Like, I don't know I'm how she's managing. her intestines weren't already like spilling out of the her ground. into yeah, the like alleyway. She's, trying to climb across this ladder it's very very hard for her to do so because she is dying and in a lot of pain but she's about halfway across and then i think ghostface is having a lot of fun having here. some fun he starts Where having ghostface some fun then gets to the other side of the ladder doesn't try to follow her instead just starts picking it up and shaking it around just being like trying to sort of shake her off the ladder which i think ghostface is having a fun time he's having a nice um, time a nice and Anika time. is not having a nice time. She is freaking out. Says a thing that's like really sad. She admitted you're making iconic. She's like, I don't want to die. And it's like, honey, you are already oh, dead. Yeah, there's zero percent chance for survival. You are <laughs> absolutely dead. Um, and goes her. You know, her hands are all bloody. She's all slippery. She's terrified. And Ghostface does manage to fling her off that ladder. She falls. Slams her face against the dumpster, falls dead on the concrete. We see her very dead. Head pretty split open. Looks looks very bad. Looks very bad for the six year old next to me. (laughs) But yeah, there's there's no shying away from showing these things. Not at all. Like a lot of horror movies make sense of implied violence. Not this one. This one is centering it all. <laughs> there is yeah. nothing that it cuts away from basically ever. Him being stabbed in the nose. You, we're getting a close Ooh, up real, of that. You see it. And there's some more. There's some more ones coming. There's a lot more coming. Uh, but yeah, so she shakes her off the ladder. The other of them stare at Ghostface from across the alley. And Ghostface just does his classic wiping that blood off that knife and walks away. He's like, I'll catch y'all later. I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> then it's, uh, I guess, like morning has has broken. Basically, this is like late at night when this happened and they're all outside the apartment. It's a full crime scene. They're all very, very shaken. And Detective Dermot comes out of the alleyway crying like drops to his knees basically in grief because his daughter is i've lost both my children um because we had learned he lost his son before and he's like they took me off the case you know obviously um he's like i'm gonna help you get this motherfucker so you fuck with my family you die you fuck with my family you die it's a pretty bold statement from a cop i'd say a cab baby <laughs> um and gail kirby is there because she's you know on the case gail shows back up and it tr- makes peace with them and it's like sam I'm, i promise you like i'm in this with you i want to get this motherfucker like can we have i'm here to make peace and sam's like fine uh i have a cute moment where tara goes i'm sorry i punched you and gail goes no you're not and she says no i'm not <laughs> um and Gail says, okay, well, good, uh, because there, I found something that you're all going to want to see. And she says, I figured out where this these killers are getting the old ghost face masks um, and leads them to an old abandoned theater that she found that was under registered under the names of the. Uh, two college kids who died at the beginning in the cold open. Uh, and it is basically a shrine. It's like a museum exhibit of 
all the previous stab movies and all the real murders, like the real murder weapons. Everything's like in little glass cases, all the cloaks that all the different ghost faces wore on mannequins and all the masks are missing from those mannequins. So they're like, whoever did this had, you know, collected all the shit from previous murders, put it in this room. And someone someone asks, like, isn't that this is all like evidence to real murder cases? Like, how would they get their hands on it? And she's like, well, cops love money and like evidence can go missing really easily. And we're um, at this point, I'm like thinking of Kirby, thinking of Detective Dermot. Uh And they're like present company excluded. Obviously, I'm like, not obviously. We're Mm -hmm. all suspects Mm -hmm. here. As they're like exploring this space, uh, Sam walks up to one of the like uh, cloaks of Ghostface in the center of the stage is in its own little glass case and it just says Billy and Sam walks up to it and we see the original his original knife covered in blood old blood gross gross and as Sam is looking into that case she hears the voice of her father hot dad alert Billy Loomis Skeet Ulrich looking young as hell (laughs) No makeup at all on that face. Uh, and you see, she sees a little vision of him behind her saying, Hi, Sam. Uh, come on. Don't you just, I don't know, trying to talk her into murdering again. She says the craziest line ever, which is, Don't we want to <laughs> get our murder on again? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Get our murder on. Don't we want to get our get murder our on? Murder on. Um, but yeah, he's basically saying, I know you like it. I know you liked killing Richie and I know you're excited to do it again. Yeah. And we, and we had learned in her therapy session, she wasn't, this is the first time she's gotten another, you know, she was having voices of her dad in her head in Scream 5. It hasn't happened in a while. And so she's like, fuck, it's happening again. But, you know, they, they leave. Uh, Kirby comes up with a plan. She's like, uh, basically they're going to try to get go somewhere public, have Ghostface call and then like use FBI equipment to locate his phone and get him that way. So Sam and Tara are at the park. Detective Dermot is walking around with a little, uh, you know, earpiece security guard style and Kirby, Mindy and Chad are in a police van And uh, Mindy makes a very good point of like, this is not going to work. This is stupid. This is literally how our Uncle Randy died in a van in the middle of the day. (laughs) Um, But it's their best idea they've got. So they go with it. Ghostface does, in fact, call. He knows exactly what they're up to. And it's like, you think this is going to fucking work? Like, you're going to just like find my phone? Like, good fucking try. Hangs up. They do manage to locate his phone, but he is nowhere near them. They say he's on the upper he's on the upper west side in an apartment. And Tara goes, is it on 96th? And Kirby says, how did you know that? And they know it because that's Gail's apartment. And we cut to Gail at home. Uh Oh, and Sam, uh, Sam and Tara are like, we have to go fucking get Gail. We have to tell her they commandeer steal detective Dermot's cop car and start speeding away to try to get to Gail. Um, but yeah, let me cut to you. Gail is in fact at home and she's at home with her boyfriend. And I'm like, good for you, Gail. Um, get, get back on that horse, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And 
the phone rings. He answers it and says, oh, Gail, it's for you. <laughs> Someone with a really normal voice is asking to speak to you. Um, she gets on the phone and he goes, hello, Gail. And she immediately mouths her boyfriend, call the police. <laughs> Courtney Cox and uh, Roger Jackson are now the only two actors to appear in all six movies. Roger Jackson is the voice. And so I guess he doesn't appear, but you know what I mean? And this is the first time that they've ever spoken, interacted. And I think, oh, that's that's so cool. cool. Yeah. And they say that that's what he's the first thing he says to her is like, I can't believe like we haven't spoken yet. She's like, yeah, they're like saying basically nice to meet you. (laughs) Yeah, it's very fun. This is a great scene. And she's like, you know, she immediately is like, okay, he's probably here. And she's like walking around, keeping on keeping him on the phone, you know, walking through her apartment. We see that Ghostface kills her boyfriend. (laughs) Like in the background, we see, you know, Ghostface and the boyfriend move across the screen in the background. So then he's dead. Ghostface then comes out and tries to lunge at her. Here's the thing, too, about these movies that I truly love. They never put him on speakerphone. Like, like the fact that you are trying to get away from murder while holding a phone up to your ear Mm -hmm. is insane. And they all do it so many times. Mm -hmm. Put the phone down. Yeah. They never do. It's like, we know you have Alexa capabilities. Yeah, I can't even believe you have a landline. Like, what are we doing, Gil? (laughs) And another thing I love about it is how fucked up Ghostface is gets throughout the course of the movie and is never injured like right ghostface got a knife block thrown in his head mere hours ago he's always getting beat up i guess there's always multiples but even still it's like ghostface would be fucked up that's the beauty of slashers man they're they're doesn't matter they're almost supernatural in their abilities that costume must be padded to all hell yeah um but yeah, so Ghostface does end up coming after her. She gets away. She gets into her room where she, and I appreciated this little bit of gun safety, um, is trying to unlock a safe with a code. Gets it, you know, she's flustered. She gets it wrong. She tries it again. She gets it wrong. I thought Manages Ghostface was, had changed that code because we saw that they oh, he perhaps. took all the knives in the other house. So I was like, oh, damn, he's really on top of it. I guess how would but, he know the code to do that? But still, but no, she just was t- too stressed and wasn't typing too in the right thing. And third, third time's a charm. She gets it open. She gets it open, gets her gun out of a safe, her safe, which I was like, yes, if you're going to have a gun, it should be locked away in a safe. That if takes I'm you Gail Weathers, to get I it. have a gun. Yeah. If I'm anyone in this yeah, franchise. I, I, absolutely. Gail Weathers needs a gun. Yep. Sorry. She does. And, you know, so she pulls it out. She manages to uh, shoot at... I guess she had gotten behind a locked door. She like gets in her room, locks the door, and then is trying to get at the safe. Pulls the gun out, shoots at the door, which Ghostface is behind. But you know we don't we don't hear anybody fall down or anything. Fall all the way over, <laughs> and um, and she's still on the phone with him, and he's like, "Ooh, you almost got me, Gail. Maybe I'm wearing a bulletproof vest." Uh, and she's like, "Yeah, that's why I'm going to shoot you in the." head <laughs> and this i hate i hate that gail does this she's walking up to the door with her gun and she opens she opens the door Mm-mm. don't open the door gail leave it shut keep shooting at that closed door until the cops come but she, you know she's got a personal vendetta against Ghostface, and i get it um and so she opens the door and he's not there 
So she's looking around her apartment with the gun, trying to find him, looking for him, looking for him. And he's like, Gail, don't you know, like just taunting her. And she goes, can you hold? (laughs) And he goes, what? What? Which is funny. And she puts him on hold. And then she calls and then hears the phone ringing, shoots at where she hears the phone ringing from, thinks maybe she got him. But he lunges out of that room, stabs her in the stomach. I think it's, yeah, like shoulder stabs first, her the shoulder and then the leg. And she's like, ooh, yeah, limping around the house. They're just running around little circles at each other, trying he to get each other. He glass. The, the like their gun falls out of her hand and mm-hmm. they're just trying. But she does get him at some point. And knocks him over. I can't remember if she shoots him or stabs him. He, Yeah, he gets hurt somehow by her. But he does manage to then get on top of her and has the knife above her face. And it looks like he's about to stab her. And she manages to hold his hand back so he doesn't quite get her face. Uh, and then just before it seems like he's going to kill her, Sam and Tara rush in. They've made it there. Ghostface disappears into the night they come over to gail is not looking good gail says to them tell sydney he never got me and then she starts closing her eyes and sam's like no gail stay with me gail and then uh gail's eyes shut it seems like she's gone emt's rushing because her boyfriend before he died had called 911 and um they check for a pulse and they say, oh, she's got it. She's got a weak pulse. We got to act fast. And so they take Gail out to get medical attention. I thought that line was sweet. Tell Sydney he, he never got me. I, yeah. I, I got a little emotional in that part. Yeah. You know, we had learned legacy characters not safe, which Scream 5 did teach us because we lost our beloved Dewey. God, I'm still mourning. Yeah. Sad. Really sad. So they're like, okay, that plan did not work. We need a new plan. And this time we need to lure him to a secure location where like we can get him somewhere that he's then trapped. So they decide, oh, let's do it at the shrine to these murders. We'll do it at the theater. So they're like, okay, everybody head to the theater. We're going to fucking get him there. Kirby's like, I can, I can lock the, there's like a gate lock once you're inside the theater, so like I can get, I can lock him in here. Once he comes in, like we've got we've got a plan. Everybody get to the theater, um, and they call Detective Dermot to tell him the plan. And he says, "Okay, great, but like travel in public. If you're like in a crowd of people, it'll be harder for him to get you." So they are like, "Okay, great, we'll all take the subway," which is where we get our very good scary subway scenes. Um, and our group now is Kirby's going to meet them there. Detective Dermot's going to meet them there. But so our crew that is traveling to the theater together is Sam, Tara, Hot Neighbor, uh, Chad, Mindy, and Ethan. And as they are going through the crowd, it is Halloween night. There are people all around. It is a crowded subway. They uh, get split between trains so mindy sam tara no sorry chad sam tara and hot neighbor make it onto a train and the doors close before mindy and ethan can get on the train with them so they have to wait for the next train and mindy meanwhile is very suspicious of ethan 
and as obviously like stay the fuck away from me i think you're the killer but <laughs> they have to travel together to get on the next train and the rest of them are now suspicious of hot neighbor because hot neighbor was the like last one yes and they don't know the him. train and so they're like did you like intentionally push me like push us push us to move faster so that you could separate them yeah you know it's it's halloween lots of people in costume and a lot of people are in ghost face masks on the train so they're all very much on edge we see in train number one the four of them looking around sam sees a ghost face guy who looks like he's looking at them as the train stops, it seems like he's coming towards them. He's coming at them. She tells him, like, guys, guys. And then he, you know, it's fake out. He gets off the train. He was just walking towards the door. So they're all really freaking out. Meanwhile, on train number two, we see a similar thing happen. There is a ghost face sitting. And ghost. we had learned, we'd seen that the real ghost face, his mask is kind of old and, like, right. beaten up. It's not a pristine new white ghost face mask. So we know at least that much. And so we, we there's a ghost face sitting. We can't really see his mask, but we're suspicious. Mindy's looking at it. She backs herself against a wall at the far end of the train. She's just like and away from Ethan too. She like puts him on the other side of the train. She doesn't trust him. And the lights keep going off. How sometimes on the train on the subway, it'll go dark for a minute. And so it was freaky. We're getting flickering lights off on, off on. She's looking, she's trying to suss out. Is this really a ghost face? Is he really around? The lights go off. She's looking, looking for him. They come up. He's a little bit closer. The lights go off. We're looking, we're looking. Come back on. He's a little bit closer. Lights go off again. They're off for a while. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Lights come on. He's right there. Stabs beneath your stomach. Puts his hand over her face so she can't scream. She slumps down to the ground. And then they pull up to the stop. And Ghostface has to get off the train. Leaves her there, presumably, to die. Um, at which point Ethan from the other side of the train sees that she's on the ground and it's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Runs over to her. She says to him, I can't believe I got it wrong again because she really thought it was him. Which I was like, what would that would not be the conclusion I would draw? He's no. the nearest one and you just got attacked. And you just got stabbed. Also, there's always more than one. So like, yep. who's, who's to say? You, you know, you can't ever rule out anybody. But I mean, at this point, what does she have to lose? She has already been stabbed. Um, and so he pulls her off the train and it's like, we need help. We need 911, like calling her to get help. Um, and we see, meanwhile, the rest of the crew shows up outside the theater safe and sound. And as they go to go in, uh, Sam turns to to hot neighbor and is like, you can't come in. I'm sorry. Woodsboro only. I, I can't trust anyone. And he's core four, baby. Core four. And he's honestly really he's like a good guy. He's sweet. He's like, you're right. I get it. Like, you shouldn't trust anybody. Stay safe. And like hugs her and kisses her on the cheek. And it's like um, the killer would be like, come on, let me in. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I mean, if I were you, I uh, wouldn't trust me either. So good luck. Um, And so they go in and are sort of sussing out their plan. Kirby tells them like, okay, as soon as he walks in, I'm, we can lock him into this like basically like entryway gated area. Um, and she says, you know, one gun. I'm the only one who has it. Cause I'm the only one who has a license to carry a gun. Sorry. Um, but we're going to get him. And this is when I'm like, it's Kirby. Yeah. And they immediately get separated. Sam is kind of wandering around, uh, I think looking for a, a weapon of her own. Chad and Tara are in the lobby of the theater together. Sam 
gets a call then, I believe, from Detective Dermott, who says, don't trust Kirby. I just got word from the FBI. She got let go two months ago for being mentally unstable and being obsessed with the Woodsboro murders. Uh, I think it's her. Fucking stay vigilant. I'm on my way. And Sam goes back towards the door where they came in and realizes they're locked in. So she's like, oh, fuck. It is Kirby. She locked us in. We got to get out of here. She tries to go back to find Chad and and Tara, who we see, meanwhile, in the lobby are being cute. Uh, they finally do kiss. It's very sweet. And as they're kissing, Tara gets literally stabbed in the back <laughs> by Ghostface. Tara's gotten... So fucked up. <laughs> fucked up in these movies. Yeah. That she last Ooh. movie she was so fucked up and now she's just her body's just like working fine again. Uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I can't even get my body to work fine and I'm doing school work. Um and she can make to tell you, being in your twenties is remarkable. <laughs> uh and so they, you know, they start trying to fight back. Uh Sam finds them and is like, it's Kirby. The three of them run out together, try to run away from Ghostface. Uh, they manage to get... Oh, by the way, Sam did take Billy Loomis's nasty bloody knife out of his cage. So she does have a knife. They manage to run away. This is where Chad picks up like an old video camera um, from the like shrine room. And they're running away from Ghostface. He throws the camera at uh, Ghostface's head. And they run. They make their way back to the lobby um, but they've they've really like gotten a, a pretty good series of shots at Ghostface. They've you know they hit him in the head. The three of them are fighting him at this point, and um, you know they they knock he knocks him in the head with the camera. Then I think Tara kicks him in the head. Like Ghostface is on the ground, she fucking kicks him. It's looking like they're doing pretty well. Again, I'm thinking, like, Ghostface is so fucked up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see Chad picks up, like, a gumball machine and is mm-hmm. holding it over Ghostface's head like he's about to really fucking nail him. And as he's doing that, he gets stabbed in the side by a different Ghostface. We now have them both in the same area. And he drops the gumball machine. Other Ghostface gets up. And now both Ghostfaces are on him stabbing him Tara and Sam are freaking out Tara is crying Chad says to them run which his performance in this was so good I felt like I really felt loved him in this he gets stabbed in the stomach uh, 100 times so (laughs) many times in the stomach and he's like pooling out of his mouth just like having unbreaking eye contact with tara during this which is really intense (laughs) really intense um and heartbreaking and sam is trying to pull her away they need to run it's Mm -hmm. like chad Chad tells them to run like blood is coming out of his mouth and he's like run um very sad but they do run Back into the main part of the theater where all of a sudden we find Kirby. She's covered in Wait, blood. Sorry, my favorite oh. part that I wanted to mention Please, is right. My notes are sparse now. Right after this, uh, they after Chad collapses to the ground, filled as a complete pincushion, drops to the ground. The two ghost faces slowly turn synchronized in unison and do their blade wipes together. 
at the exact same time. Yeah, we're getting very like twins vibes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so then they they make it into the theater. They find Kirby again, but now they're like, it's you. And she's like, no, that got attacked. Like, you guys can trust me. And I believe just then Detective Dermot comes in. He holds up a gun to Kirby. He's like, get away from them. And she's like, get away from them. And it's a standoff. <laughs> it's the two Spider-Mans pointing trust. at each other. Yeah. And I believe he shoots at Kirby. So she's down. And then Tara and Sam turn to him, the goat, and they're like, look out, because the ghost faces come up to him, and he smiles, and the ghost faces stand by his side, and uh-oh, we have our killer reveal. And at this point, I was a little sad. I thought there were going to be like a bunch of ghost faces. I so, too. It started to seem like the room was filling with ghost faces. It's just the two, or I guess the three um, which is still fun, but this is what I'll say for the movie. I thought the ghost face reveal and monologue of five was better than the reveal and monologue of six. I agree. But that's okay. I still had a great time. I think the movie's really fun. I will say my only, yeah, I was a little bit like, oh, okay. I wasn't like, ooh, fun, you know, about this, this ghost face room, but that's okay. So anyway, ghost face, Detective Dermot, he was bad. He's hot, but he's bad, <laughs> which we know can be true. <laughs> it's shocking, but it is sometimes true. It's sometimes true. You hate to see it, but it does happen. Other hot dad, case in point, Billy Loomis. Billy Loomis, classic bad hot dad. Well, he wasn't a hot dad at the time, but he is now. He came to be one. And, and you know, I guess he was at the time. In Scream 1? He had to have been. Because he can't, you can't become a dad after you die. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you're right. Oh, that's funny. That really is. I was like, no, he didn't have a kid, but he had impregnated someone at least. Um, but no, he did not. I don't think realize. I don't think he realized he was a father yet. But mm -hmm. yes, correct. He can't have done that <laughs> post mortem. Um, but okay, we get our reveal. Uh, so we've got Detective Dermot. It was me. That, and I think Sam says it was you. And he goes, of course it was. Can't believe you didn't realize that. Like, obviously it was me. And next to him, one of the ghost face takes off his mask. It was Ethan. And he goes, Mindy was right the whole time. It was really easy to rig that roommate lottery. And it felt so good to kill Chad. A fucking, uh, like, jock dummy cool guy whose name is actually Chad. God, it felt good to kill him. He says like, thank you know, like good job, dad. And they're like, dad. Oh no. Then that must mean. <sighs> and the other ghost face takes off her mask and it's Quinn. They're like, we saw you die. And they're like, never trust that. Like I fucking faked it. It's easy to do that. We've seen it done before. Mm -hmm. um, and we get our monologue. We learn the brother that Quinn had lost was Richie. This is Richie's dad and siblings. And they want to kill Sam because she killed Richie. And this shrine was Richie's shrine. He was obsessed, as we knew, with the stab movies and had collected all the memorabilia. And of course, he was able to get actual murder evidence because his dad's a fucking cop. So it was him. 
And, you know, he lied about Kirby being, you know, crazy and let go from the FBI. And it was all so easy. And what they're going to their plan now is they're going to make Sam put on Billy Loomis's ghost face outfit. And then they're going to kill both of them and they're going to make it seem like Sam murdered Tara and uh, then killed herself. And she's always been the killer. And uh, that's their big plan. I think it was really well done how much it kept us guessing. And that is the fun of these movies. And but I feel like there were other theories that I'd come up with that were more fun than this yeah. actual reveal. But I did love that there were three of them. Mm-hmm. But I was I had like really gotten it in my head that Matthew Lillard is still alive. And yeah, that would have been fucking. And, and you know what? Like there are more screens. I was going to gonna come, say, baby. Um, I hope that that happens yeah. one day. I just want to see Matthew Lillard again. Please, please, please give us Lillard. We love Lillard. <laughs> um, hey, you did not see the life leave his eyes. Therefore, he is still able to be alive. That's how these movies work. Yep. So, yeah, we get we get the monologue and they manage Tara and Sam each managed to pick up a brick from around them and they're like back to back holding it at the ready. Uh, but they're, I mean, you know, very much outnumbered here. Um, and she says, Sam says to uh, Detective Dermot, like, Richie was a, basically like, he was a little bitch. Like, <laughs> you raised a little baby boy who couldn't do shit. And I stabbed him fucking 22 times and slit his throat. And I'm going to do it to you. Like, now she's taunting him and says, basically, you know, Tara, now. And they <sighs> lunge with their bricks and are managed to be, you know, pretty effective in this moment. They hit, Tara hits Quinn in the face with the brick bad knocks out some teeth we see Ooh. that we see blood on the ground she goes she really gets her somehow with her knife tara or sam is able to get at ethan and she stabs him a bunch and it seems like he is maybe going down and I, again i don't remember why detective dermot is not at them in this moment which is why i think maybe kirby had something to do with it but i, I don't somehow he's not attacking them but i i don't remember why sorry yeah. but they do manage to get away they you know they knock out quinn they stab ethan they are looking for an exit and they see that up at the balcony there's maybe an exit up there so tara and sam climb up to the balcony um, but there's like a lot of stuff around it. So like a messy little area up there. They have to climb on the railing, which Sam manages to do. Then Tara is following her and she slips and is dangling off the balcony. Now Sam grabs her very um, Lion King style. Yep. Holding her. But her hands are all bloody and she can't pull herself up. She struck. She again has been stabbed in the back. <laughs> so having a really hard time getting herself up. And they're. Like laughing below her, like they're waiting at the ready to. Ethan is get down her. there with a knife, trying to stab. He, he's not quite tall enough to get at Tara when she's dangling, but you know, the second she falls, he's gonna be at her. Um, but then we see coming up from the balcony is Quinn is also still alive, and she has her knife, and she's coming towards Sam. And we see near Sam on the ground is the is a gun. But Sam can't get at the gun while she's holding Tara up. 
Tara looks at her and says, you have to let me go. You have to let me go. This is a metaphor for the emotional letting go she needs to do. Yep. Uh, but, but also they have a literal. little sister moment, but also literal. And they have a little sister <laughs> moment where Tara's like, let me go. And motions to Sam to give Tara her knife. So the plan is let her go so she can fucking stab the shit out of Ethan. And she's like, trust me, let me go. And so she hands her the knife. She lets her go. Tara, true to her word, falls, gets the upper hand on Ethan, stabs him through the open mouth all the way to the back of his head, twists it. It's nasty, but she fucking gets him and he dies. And Sam is able to upstairs pick up the gun and shoots Quinn in the center of her fucking head. Straight in the forehead. Not a lot of room for... No. Ambiguity there. That one's... Yeah, she's dead. She falls, and we see behind her Detective Dermot, who now has actually lost all of his children. And uh, Sam says, you gotta shoot him through the head. Pulls up her gun to shoot him, and she's out of bullets. He realizes this, he comes at her, and so she just fucking charges him and pulls him with her uh, off the balcony. They both fall. You see Sam hits the ground. He smashes into a glass case and cut to black. Then Detective Dermot comes to, and he's alone. No Sam, no Tara. He's fucked up. And then he gets a phone call from Sam Carpenter, answers it. She's using the voice changer. She's fucking with him. Uh, He's looking around for her, trying to find her. Okay, come on, Sam, come out. And she's like, I fucking got you. And does come up behind him in full. We see that the Billy Loomis cloak and mask are gone. And she comes up behind him. Full Billy Loomis ghost face stabs him a bunch of times in the in arms. The arms, this was just crazy. <laughs> like just oh stabbing him in the arms. Takes the mask off. He's on his knees in front of her. Tara comes up next to her and she says to him, "My father was a murderer, and I'm better than that." So she's not gonna kill him. But then she looks at Tara. They make eye contact, and she goes. Mm. But you did fuck with my family and stabs him through the eye and kills him. Uh, And just then the, you know, cops come in EMTs along with hot neighbor. He says, I thought there's one last fake out, right? Or have (gasps) you not? So there's one last fake. It's like, seems like it's all good. And then Ethan is not dead and he runs is about to attack Tara and then the TV that killed Stumacher that is in this uh, museum of artifacts falls on top of him and he is crushed and killed in the same way that Stu was and we see that it was Kirby who is not dead and she um, saved them in that moment so the three of them have survived. I did forget to mention that in the in the fight earlier, Kirby does get stabbed 
by one of them, maybe by Detective Dermot, in the same spot that she was stabbed Oof. in her her scream. So you got to think yeah, there's she... some like scar tissue <laughs> in there. Like that shit. I just owie zowie. It just doesn't Bad. heal the same way once it's already been. No, no way. A big stab with that big fat knife, as we've established, that knife is thick. Ay ay. Um. But yeah, then so, you know, they're all actually dead now. The cops come in, cute neighbors there. And he's like, I thought you could have used some backup. And we're like, wow, yay. He actually wasn't the killer. That's really yay. great for Sam. Because I mean, my God, if two guys that she was seeing ended up being murderers, she's That'd never going to do it again. That would one you can maybe recover from two. Uh-uh. And hot guys two can it a pattern. be good. Hot guys can be good. Some hot guys can be good. Some hot guys can we be good. We love to see that. That we love, <laughs> that we that we love. So they're all okay. They they come outside. EMTs are you know tending to Kirby. You know Sam and Tara and Kirby are all gathered around the back of a, an ambulance, and Kirby's like, you know, if you ever need anything, you know, now we're all the same. We're the fucked up family together. Uh, we're in it together. And Tara starts crying, and is you know it's finally the weight of of Chad dying is hitting her, and she's. Crying about that, and then we turn around and we see him or a stretcher pulling Chad out on an oxygen machine. He is still alive. They run up to him, even said, "How the fuck are you still alive?" Uh, and and he holds Tara, up. He holds up four fingers. Core four. Core four, baby. Core four. They make it through. Um, and he and Tara kiss. She like pulls off his auction mask to kiss him, and is like, "Sorry, you probably need that." <laughs> puts it back on Mindy runs up and is like guys it was Ethan I was right and I was like oh fuck okay sorry yeah you're all good okay we got it uh camp and she's like I can't believe we all survived we also hear that that Gail is gonna pull through Gail's gonna pull through yep so our our team is team is doing okay and as this is all happening we see Sam looking down at her jacket and opening it and she has taken Billy Loomis's mask out and some ominous music plays. And we're thinking, uh-oh, is this going to be our new ghost face? Yeah, because I th- I feel like she likes killing. Like, And in the moment yeah. where she is stabbing Detective Dermot, you sh- I really love these moments. She like gets these. She's, she's fucking enjoying it. it. We get these moments of her just like, oof. Loving yeah. it. And so, yeah, there's uh, there's uh, that's making us a little nervous as she's looking at this mask. <laughs> yeah. And then this and ominous music is playing. and We're thinking, oh, she's going to take this mask with her. Here we go. Um, and Tara calls out to her. It's like, hey, Sam. And Sam looks up, drops that mask in the ground, walks over to Tara. And they uh, and Tara says it's either here or a little bit earlier. She's like, don't worry. I, I'm going to go to so much therapy for this. Like, I promise I'm going to deal with it. <laughs> I'm going to go to so much fucking therapy. One mass murder um, with all your friends you can ignore, but two. Two, again, right. two makes it a pattern. Two is <laughs> we got to deal with this. Um, and they they walk away together. And that's the end of the movie. You did so great, Emily. My notes, I'm, I'm sorry, were not very good. And again, I, yeah, it's, I think it's that mostly was mostly Joel. Joel, come back. Joel. <laughs> Joel, if you're listening. <laughs> Um, this movie had the highest number of survivors and the highest body count of any of the screen movies. So they just had as true to their word, more of everything. Um, it, I really loved this 
amping up of the level of violence. It was very violent. I yeah. I feel like the screams are violent, but this one was just another level somehow. They're usually all the same kind of violent. Like, it's the same kind of stabs over and over yeah. again. This was like each kill was unique and each kill had its own kind of brutality. I thought that was like, like stabbed through the fucking mouth, stabbed through the nose, stabbed through the eye, mm-hmm. teeth getting knocked out. Someone was beheaded. Like, that does not happen so in many twisting previous knives. screams. Someone smashing their head on a fucking dumpster. Yeah, the knife being pulled up through a body. Like, it was the real fucking deal. And again, like, more than half of our theater was young children, so I don't fucking know how that worked out for everybody's night the next night, but whatever. Yeah. So, what's what's your scream ranking of the ones you have seen? For me, I think I go... One, two, six, five. I think mine is still one, two, five, six. I have seen three and four. I, well, I just rewatched four. I'm going to say one, two, five, six, three, four. Okay. But I haven't seen three in a long time, so maybe it's six, four, three. But yeah, I yeah, think never I still seen pref- three and four. I think I still prefer five. I, I think it's also partially less to do with the actual movie and more to do with the excitement I felt of like the rebooting of the Scream franchise. So there was something really special about that and seeing um, Sydney and Gail and Dewey again was like, so yeah, maybe I need to rewatch exciting. Like I, it really was good. I loved it so much. Um, But I really loved this one as well. And honestly, I feel like five and one feel really similar and this and two feel really similar, which yep. is also a point they made about like, okay, now we're in college, we're in the college one. Yep. Like, so it did, it is like, even my ordering is, they're all, they're all pretty close. One is, is far and above yes. my favorite and the best. But then after that, like two, five and six are all really comparable additions to the franchise for me. Like, I feel like they're all really hitting the notes that I like, they're they're having a lot of fun. The characters are good. The kills are good. I think the killer reveal in five is better than the killer reveal in six. Just like the killer reveal in one is better than the killer reveal in two. Like, I kind of yep. feel that way as well. I feel excited for the franchise. I will be seeing as many Scream movies as they make. Same. Um, I just have a freaking good time trying to figure out the who done it and i really didn't get it this time i did get it in five there was a moment in five where i figured it out yeah and it was your moment is good it was uh it was a look of um concern that jack quaid had richie had for the killer that was subtle but i caught it caught it (laughs) and yeah i will like jack was really really good in five and that was really fun that was really fun to see and I thought overall the performances of Melissa Barrera, the core four, I liked yep. their performances better in this one. They also had yeah, like coming more into their runway. Own a bit. Um, so that, you know, five, we had we had Jack and his performance was really great as the killer. Um, but I liked the other performances better in this. They all, every, uh, they all have something. They all yep. have something to love. It, um, I oof, agree. So good. It's such such a fun franchise. Such a fun franchise. I'm excited for more. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Which is interesting because I feel like most of the horror franchises really go off the rails by number six and seven. Yeah. I don't know that there are any other ones where it's like, oh, six and seven are, or five and six are like pretty good. <laughs> I think it's because they sort of like reset, which was really yeah. smart. Um, we have like a new, new core four <laughs> to care mm-hmm. about. We have a new, yep. it's like, it does feel like the same, the same, but different. And that was really, really smart of them. And I think it's really going to inspire others too i've heard that there's Mm. talks of a i know what you did last summer trying to trying to get in on some of that to do it as a show and it did not work yes because i think it wasn't as fun and playful it was like trying to be moody and dark which i just don't think is what we want out of this kind of no you want it to be like a little bit campy at times and i feel like it's about seeing some familiar faces and those easter eggs and callbacks like that's what gets mm-hmm. the fan base excited is feeling like you're rewarded for your previous experience with with other movies and scream also just does have like a perfect formula like it is about the, the meta-ness of Scream could so easily be irritating in another context, but it just works so well. And they've like managed to they've managed to keep the elements that make Scream Scream yep. every time. And I think that's how that's why it succeeds. And, and that's hard to do. Yeah, I'd say it verges on irritating in four for sure. So it's it's OK. I, I believe that we know that it can be not great all the time. So yeah. impressive that. Their batting average is pretty good. Yeah, and it, it's it's working. It's working, and and I love to see it. And I can't wait to find out who our next hot dad is going to be. Mm, um, baby. Well, this was really delightful, Emily. Um, I had a great time talking about. I had a great Six time. I had a great time seeing it in the theaters. I, you know, I would never be here were it not for this podcast. I wouldn't be a Scream fan, and now I am, and what a what a gift to my life that is. Yeah, listeners, we hope that we've been able to give some of you that gift as well. Go see Scream if you can bear it um, with this, armed with this new information. <laughs> yes, you can do it. Yep. Um, and I think, yeah, we've got a pretty obvious <laughs> voice. Pretty obvious voice. Mine is pretty sexy, as has been established. Um, I feel like the my phrase to get into it is "Hello, Officer Judy." Officer Judy. (laughs) Which I wish we got a few more funny ghost face lines. I know the one funny was when Gail put him on hold. That really what? But that was what? (laughs) (laughs) Officer Judy. Okay, from all of us here at Too Scary Didn't Watch. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Too Scary Didn't Watch. If you enjoyed the episode, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really want to make our day, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can also follow us on social media at TSDW Podcast. We are on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want even more content, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash TSDW Podcast. We will be back next week with a regular episode. We love you a lot. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>